No, that's right. Yes. If you are tuned in, then you have made the conscious decision to become undeniable in your pursuit of personal, professional, and spiritual excellence. Now, I hope you are pursuing excellence, but if you are not making an impact with your life, then you have come to the right place today. Welcome to this breakthrough episode of Become Undeniable. I am your new favorite host, Brad Austin. Killing it on the mic and as always, keeping it real no matter whose feelings it hurts, while providing undeniable value to you every step of the way. Now, I have been looking forward to this episode for a while, telling you, because I know it's going to serve a wide range of folks, all right? Whether you are in the startup world, whether you've been in business for a while, I mean, if you're looking to get into business for yourself for the first time, or you just want to start achieving more wins in your personal life, I can guarantee you that this is going to be an undeniably valuable episode for you because the man that will be delivering this value is none other than Mr. Rob Yates. Rob is a business performance coach who is revolutionizing the world of coaching and business. And you are about to hear why I believe that is absolutely true. Rob, welcome to the show, brother. How are you? I'm amazing. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk with you for however long we can stretch it out for and entertain people for. Yeah, man. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. So um, I I had to cut my <laughs> – I kind of had to cut my uh, my prep a little short, man, because there were so many questions. And then I had to do a, a review of them all. And then I had to kind of sink them down and, and, and try to put together what I think would be the most valuable things for people to hear from you and that – big expansive brain of yours man with all your great experience um so let's let's talk about something that we both know occurs on a daily basis man uh, i want to talk about you know things that hold people up all right let's in your opinion rob brother what are what are the main things preventing people from maybe getting out of that job and starting that business maybe getting to that next level in their current business i mean maybe some things are getting in their way of their God-given purpose, bro. What is what in your experience have you seen is really preventing people from those getting past those things? I think there's only two, <laughs> although they're quite big things, right? Mm. Uh, and I think there's only two problems people face, and one is a people problem, and the other one's a time problem. And there's huge subsets of each one of those, like people problem that you've got. You could have the problem of other people. Um, but you've got the problem of yourself, right? What is it that you believe to be true about you and about the world? And um, how does that serve you or how does that not serve you? Um, and and then, you know, the only thing that's a limiting resource to us in life is time. We will, we will run out of time at one point in time or another. And um, mm-hmm. all, too, all too often we're guilty of believing narratives around time that, you know, the the concept of tomorrow that gets spoken about far too much, there'll, there'll probably always be a tomorrow. Uh, it might not be yours to optimize. And now's a really good time to do something. Um, I've got a guy I work with who frustrates the living daylights out of me, Brad. His name's David. And um, he, uh, he, every time we have an idea, I was like, cool, right. I'm going to do this after lunch. 
and I eat lunch for 20 minutes and then there's a WhatsApp message or an email and he's done it already. He's done his thing. And um, when I look up to people, he's one of them because he's just grabbed the ball by the horns and done it. And I think all too often people wait for the perfect time or the perfect moment and uh, they don't do it now. Just do it now. Get out of your way and do it now. Those are my thoughts. And so how do you, okay, right, do it now. But, but it, you know, man, you work with a lot of different people. How, how the, those people who don't do it now, and again, I'm, I, I, I do a lot of admitting on this show I've found. And I, I, don't, I don't know if I like it or not, but I do it because it's authenticity and because I, I want to let people in. But I've, you know, not as bad anymore, but I, I've, I'm a procrastinator sometimes. You know, that, that's a huge thing. How do you... How do you, how, what would you say to people who know that they, they, you know, and again, you just wanted to eat some lunch, bro. You weren't actually procrastinating. <laughs> you know what I mean? You just wanted to get a bite to eat. But, uh, so that's, I don't really call that procrastination, but I mean, how would you, how would you empower people to, to, to take that step and do it right now versus putting it off except for lunch? Except for lunch. Um, <laughs> yeah, lunch is important. Um, <laughs> Gotta eat. <laughs> I think you've got to go and find the thing, your thing, that you've got complete faith in. And and I think when you find the thing you've got complete faith in, you can take you can take take action now. You can do stuff now. Because when you've got complete faith in your thing, you don't have any worries or concerns. But really, it's the guessing game of, am I good enough? Is it good enough? Will it work? Will it not work? What if it fails? So on and so forth that actually is stopping us. And so really, it's about understanding. And we go back to people then, don't we? Understanding us. What makes us tick? Who, are, who am I? What, is my, what are my superpowers? Um, how am I leveraging and using my superpowers? Um, those things, because when you get your knowledge of who you are linked to the thing that complements who you are as best as possible, procrastination doesn't happen, right? The mm-hmm. thing that the world is really yeah. bad at is helping people monetize their God-given superpowers. Like, mm-hmm. that's where... Like, when. When I start business coaching, business coaching with people, I'm often like, why on earth are you doing this thing? Like, you've, you've got these superpowers, and now you're doing this <laughs> thing because everybody says that drop shipping is the current in vogue way of making extra money or I don't know, whatever it is, right? But you don't like technology. You don't like the idea of, of, um, uh, of drop shipping and selling stuff from China. Um, you don't like the idea of Facebook marketing. You don't like any of these things. You're doing it just for the money, right? It's, it's going to fail. But you love carpentry. Well, surely, and that's your superpower. Surely then, all what you really need is somebody like me to say, well, cool. Let's turn carpentry into your thing, right? And what everybody says, oh, well, I can't make $400,000 a year out of carpentry. They have a money barrier often. I'm like, who says? Who says you can't make that money out of carpentry? Um, like, who says? Because that's nonsense. Of course you can. You can make forty million a year out of carpentry if you want to. You just haven't got creative enough yet to go and find out 
the answer. You know, there's a, a Swedish psychologist called Ben Furman who says that the only block in your in achieving what you want to achieve is a lack of creativity. That's your only block. Like you just mm. haven't come up with the solution yet. And if the solution was easy to make the money you want to and have the lifestyle you want to out of carpentry, everybody who's in carpentry would be doing it. You'd be able to Google it and find an answer. Um, so maybe we just need to get creative. Maybe, here's the thing. If, yeah. if you can't Google it, if you Google it and you can't find the answer, Maybe that's the opportunity. Mm-hmm. So if yes, yes, if you're, the absolutely. if you're the world's best carpenter and you love it, and you would wake up every day and do eighteen hours a day in your shop making stuff out of wood, and you'd do it even if money wasn't, if you didn't have to make money, you'd just do it. And you Google how to make two million dollars a year as a carpenter in my workshop, and you can't get a satisfactory answer from Google. Holy smoke. Let's go and find the satisfactory answer because let's go create it because that's a God-given opportunity. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm one of those people who has come to believe that the hardest work that anybody will do, it, it's, not, it's not the guys on the road doing construction or building the houses or whatever. I mean, most of, the, most of those guys love that, right? But And it's not the hard labor work. The hardest work anyone will do is actually think. And that's why so many people don't do it. And you basically just said the same thing. If you can't find the answer, well, I mean, should we expect to really find the answer? We're, we're tapping into ourselves here. We're not, Google doesn't have the answer for everything. I'm sorry. You know what I mean? <laughs> so maybe it's time to get the wheels turning, right? Tap into your own creativity and find the answer yourself or create it yourself, right? Create creativity. Ah. That's it. That's it. And I think people so, get stuck with creativity. Right. So what would... Yeah. They, they get stuck because they think it's about being a starving artist, like with a doodling on bits of paper and trying to sell it on Fiverr or something <laughs> like that. That's what they think creativity is. And creativity yeah. is literally um, problem solving. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. Um I love car. I, I, I do enjoy carpentry, but it's not right thing. But I, I love carpentry, right? That's my superpower. Um, well, and I want to make this much money and have this lifestyle, right? Cool. Let's go and figure out how. Um, let's go and, and let's not go and look at carpentry for the answers. Um, you know, the the answers are all out there, just probably not in the industry that you're looking in. So um, mm-hmm. you've got a, um, a like I know you, you've got Focus Loop. You've got your 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 tech business that you're you're working on. The answers to growing to solving your problems in Focus Loop probably aren't in the technology industry, um, because if they were, somebody would already have built Focus Loop. It would already be thriving. It already would have happened. The answers are going to be hidden somewhere else in. I don't know, baseball maybe. I'm just chucking ideas around here, but they're going to be hidden in weird places. <laughs> um, the, the special forces. I don't know where they, are, where they are, but the answers are there. They're just in illogical places. Yeah. So what would you say, Rob, to someone who, um, who, who hasn't really found that thing that they have complete faith in that you spoke of a second ago? What would, what would you, how would you say to them besides getting creative, right? to 
I, I can't believe we're saying this, but I mean, to, to be able to find that thing, how would they go about doing that if they don't know? Oh, I've got a question. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. So if I was to give you $100 million, right, and I'm going to go and, I'm going to go and wire it into your bank account right here, right now, it would be fair to say that you could retire at any age and never need to worry about working for another day, another day again in your life. Your kids will never have to work, and um, you, you're good to go, right? $100 million. How would you, the next day when you wake up, and maybe you might have a lie-in, but how would you choose to use your time? What would you choose to do with that time? Would you choose to sit in isolation? Honestly, I... Oh, go on, yeah. What would you choose to do, Mr. Brad? Tell me. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, I, I, quite honestly, I would, um, I would, I would, I would fund Focus Loop. I would fund the company. I would, I would do whatever it takes, probably hire somebody like you <laughs> to come help us. You know what I mean? Because I, I'm not, I'm not chasing money. Like I'm, I'm chasing impact. I'm chasing, you know, that's my goal is that I, I want to, make a positive impact in the lives of other people, as many people as possible, not only in the U S but in the world, right? There is so much need. And I believe this is a vessel that can be done. If I had the funding to, to really propel that vessel, then I would still do it versus sitting on a beach somewhere. You know, I would still do it Mm. because I I care for others. I want to impact others. And see, you've just found the hook, right? Because the hook is others. It's, it's you would choose to do something for the benefit of other people, right? And so because mm. a lot of people who may be listening to this, they haven't got a fo- their, their focus loop yet. They're, they're just at like, well, what would I choose to do? Who, um, and who's to say you can't sit on a beach every day and, and still go and, um, and then and have that as your answer? If, if sitting on a beach is your answer, right? We say, cool, right. Well, then how do we go and turn sitting into a beach into a business opportunity for you? And everybody always yeah. looks at me like I'm barking mad. I've helped people sit on a beach and earn <laughs> what they want to earn, right? It's not, it's perfectly possible to do. In fact, actually sit on a beach and work less than an hour a day and have the income they want. It's perfectly possible, but you've got to know what your like inner thing is you would choose to do. Um, and so for you, it's others, right? You would choose to, do, if, it, if you didn't have focus loop yet, you would choose to do something with and for others, right? Cool. And, and then we can go on a journey of like, well, right, okay, what talents do you have? Oh, what sort of lifestyle would you like? Mm-hmm. And we start to piece together a jigsaw puzzle of, right, you've got this list of talents, you've got others, you've got a lifestyle you'd like to have out of, out of this thing that you do. And slowly we can start to design a, um, a, a business for you, which is um, which is more like getting a suit tailored for you than buying a suit off the rack. And yeah. and I think I think if you Google your answers or, or get average coaches, all you're going to get is suits to wear that come off the rack. And I don't know about you, but if I'm going to do something that's going to be profound for the rest of my days, like one garment you can wear for the rest of your days, right? I'm going to go to a flipping good tailor and get them to tailor it perfectly for me. 
I'm not going to go and just go to Nordstrom and buy some fancy brand suit off a peg and go, now I've got a suit. I'll get it tailored. Right. But people don't need me to do that. You can do this yourself. Like you work out what your drivers are and link them all together and, and then go, cool, well, talents, how I'd spend my time, uh, what outcomes I'd like from it for myself, um, so on and so forth. And, and that outcome can be monetary. Um, it can be feeling-based, and probably it should be. Because mm. when, when money is tight, doing the right thing is what gets you more money. But you've got to know what your definition of doing the right thing is and what feeling it gives you. Because that will keep you doing the right thing. It'll keep yeah. you honest. Um, whereas money comes and money goes, as we probably both know, very, very quickly. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Well, tell me, uh, Brad, you've, you've interviewed lots of people. Like, what, are the, what have other people said? Like, or what, what would you advise people to do to help them find their thing, um, their, their idea, their passion to follow? Yeah, I mean, I've... I've... I've actually come to another conclusion that I'm not sure following your passion, quote unquote, is is the right thing. Um, I, I think you, I, I mean, because some people are passionate about playing golf or playing basketball, and they want to do that all day, but they ain't gonna make it in the NBA, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean, or the PGA. Um, so I, I I think you you have to I I, I say that in the um, in the dreamy sense, right? Of, mm-hmm. Oh, follow your passion. It's a cliche. You know, um, I, I say that I'm, I'm, I'm kind of trending on to your line of thinking where you need to find something that is, how do I say it? You say complete faith in, right? And um, for me as a person of faith, it's hard to have, faith in anything except God. So it's like, it's, it, that's, that's a little tough for me to chew, but I understand it if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Right. Mm-hmm. And because people are going to have self doubts, people are going to have all these things. Um, I really, honestly, I don't really know how to answer that question, Rob, to be honest with you. And that's, and that's why I'm, that's why I'm talking to you, man, because you know, yes. the answers and I, I don't have them all. <laughs> it's interesting. So it's interesting. I've just come off um, uh, the the call I was on before this. I was actually on a call with a guy who didn't quite make it to the NBA. Um, and when I say didn't quite, oh. like he, he was actually selected by a team and never got game time. Um, so, um, oh, but wow. he's but he's now making his living in basketball, a huge living in basketball. Now, so if we were to say hmm. golf as another example, right? Golf's my passion. And we can say, right, okay, so one option to make money out of golf is to become a golf professional, as in one of those guys who teaches golf, right? That's a become a pro. That's a thing. And then you could become um, Tiger Woods another way. But you could then start saying, well, and, and then what's another example of making money out of golf? Uh, greenkeeper, fantastic. Own a driving range. Um, set up a retail outlet for golf online or, or in person. Yep. Um, build golf carts, the buggies, um, become a club manufacturer, go and sell clubs on behalf of a manufacturer. If you, if you wander around and keep saying, what's another example of it, of making money out of golf, making my career in golf, you're going to come up with, um, uh, you know, somebody's got to carry the signboard. You know, they go around behind the players with their, with their, with their like, what, what they're under or over par and, like, how many shots they've made. 
somebody's got to get paid to carry that signboard. And, and I know that might not be everybody's dream job and won't make them the money they want, but somebody does it. Um, and, and so if we keep right. saying, right, okay, making a career or money out of golf, what's another example? And what's another example? And what's another example? You're going to come up with 40 or 50 examples. And then you can start saying, well, what are my talent? What's, what, am I, what will pay me what I want to earn? Right, great. What, what am I talented enough to do? Um, ooh, uh, be, compete with um, Jordan Spieth or Rory McIlroy? Probably not. Um, you know, okay, well, let's... <laughs> yeah. you know, um, but then there's an interesting thing which you mentioned about the passion. I thought you were going to go down this rabbit hole, but it's, it's about be careful what you wish for. I turned my passion of um, kayaking into a job, as did our mutual friend, Paul Cuthy. And mm -hmm. you can quickly lose the passion for that thing when it becomes the, the thing that you have to do every day of the week. Because now your income is, your, your livelihood is reliant on it, as opposed to it being the hobby that you do on Saturday afternoons and Sunday mornings or whatever it may well be. So there's equally a degree of be careful what you wish for um, because you can, you can kill your passion if you do it wrong. So Rob, here, here's what I hear you saying. Okay. For clarification. And, and, and I whole absolutely agree with that is that, yeah, you may not, you may not be, the next Tiger Woods, right? You're not going to be that good or whatever the case may be, but maybe find, find something that keeps you close to that passion, right? That's what it sounds like. Cause you're, you're making a list of all these different areas. And if you start putting all of those things on the big whiteboard and you se separate it in half, you have all these arenas, these areas, then you have your talents that things you enjoy doing. They, there could be, a, a match, right? There could be a cross matching on both sides. And then maybe that's the thought you have to have. It's like, okay, maybe I can do that. And then creativity sets in and therefore you come up with the next cool solution to a problem you've seen on the golf course. That's it. That's it. And it like, I don't know. Somebody has to train green, has to teach greenkeepers to be green keepers. Right. Like, you know, the people who cut the grass and do all the mm -hmm. other stuff. I don't know much about golf, so I'm I'm I'm, I'm going off a really yeah. like low, low base here. But, um, but, but somebody, <laughs> somebody has to be the teacher of that, of that and, and has to train the, the greenkeepers. So maybe that's an opportunity. Maybe you're really good at gardening. That's your talent. Like something you've got a beautiful garden and you love golf. Well, and maybe you can teach other people. Maybe that's a, a gift that you've got. Well, is, is there not – the only thing that's limiting then is then like how do I turn that into a job? How do I, how do I monetize that? How do I actually link those bits together? Um, yeah, how? Question mark. Um, and then we get a bit more creative right. and suddenly we've got a – at least we've got an idea to go and test and try and see what can happen with it. And, um, you know, the, the, the only thing that you should die with is no regrets. Um, well – Go and try all these ideas and go, well, it, it didn't work, but it's fine. I tried. Um, like, don't, yeah. don't, don't be age 88 lying on your deathbed going, I wish I'd become the guy who, who taught greenkeepers on golf courses. Right. Yeah, because, I mean, the, the, you and I both know the truth is, is that you, you will never win without the attempt. 
you will never win without the try. You know what I mean? You, you will always lose. That is that is a 100% certainty. Mm. So, Rob, what, aside from procrastination, since we already talked about that a little bit, I mean, what, what prevents pe- people from taking action, man? What else? Um, fear as, as, a, as, a big, mm. as, as a big thing. Um, society and often the, the closer family society, um, the, the doubters, the naysayers, mm-hmm. the, um, uh, uh, and I've, that, that's, that's a personal thing that I've faced or nobody in our family has ever made it, ever done this. Nobody in our family has ever made that much money. Nobody, you know, are you sure you don't want doubters? Um, so there's, there's, there's elements of society, um, and, and then there's, um, I think there's bravery comes into this. Like, how brave are you? Um, and, mm. but that, that starts to go back to time again. You know, if, if you were to forecast your future, are you really happy retiring like this? Right, question mark. And if you are, then do your eight till five job, pay your union fees, and be, be happy with it. And I will always buy you a beer and I'll be your best friend. I don't, I think you're amazing. Like if you're happy with that, go do it. Just answer that question honestly. And, and if you aren't going to be happy with that, that retirement maybe, um, then, then maybe it's time to be brave. But I think so many people are trapped in there today Um I get really frustrated with people who say you need, need to be present. Like, I agree. You should be some present somewhat. But being present doing what? Like, because being present is just procrastination. Mm, yes. Yes. It is, it is, it is just yes. it is the 2022 excuse for not striving for excellence is being present. Because. Yeah. Boy, that's good, bro. <laughs> If if you are truly <laughs> you are taking no aligned action to a desired future because mm. you've stopped. Well said. All right. That, my friend, that is, number one, a key takeaway. Number two, that is a great segue into the next question I have for you, man, because, all right, if you, if you could give like a two minute masterclass right right now to the audience on how to push through those roadblocks, those roadblocks you just mentioned, the fear, the family, the bravery, all that stuff. Right. So that taking action actually becomes easy for them. What would you say? What would be your prescription? Identify the things that you least want to do and prioritize those as the things you most need to do. In every person I've ever spoken to, I say, what do you want to least want to do in your business? Sales. But you've just told me you've got this goal of this much money. And I'm like, like, okay, but like, there's a correlation between this. You don't, you want the money, but you're not willing to do the action that brings the money, right? So um, <laughs> yes, everything that you want in your future is like going to the gym. If I want to go to the gym and get a six pack, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be painful. I'm going to have to restrict my eating. I probably can't drink very much beer, and I love beer. Um, 
But, um, you know, sugar <laughs> come out of my diet. Um, I will be stiff and sore for probably six months to 24 months. And then I'll get my six pack. Like everything yeah. that you want involves being mentally and physically stiff and sore. And as you exercise those mental and physical muscles more, the exercises become easier, right? Yep. But, but it's not going to be easy. Um, so pick the things that you least want to do and go do them. And, and you will have the biggest results <laughs> the soonest. And if, yeah. if, if I if, think, oh, go on. no, please go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I think that I am going to actually incorporate that particular practice ASAP because I, mm. I don't, I, and I really don't know what those things are yet because I'm one of those weirdos that I actually enjoy the work. I enjoy this. I enjoy the change. I enjoy everything, all this stuff about it, but I want I, there are things I don't like to do with, with the tech, with the business. Right. So I'm going to identify those things see what the results of those things are and are they holding me back? That's it. And that can be, by the way, a resistance to change something, right? Is, is a, um, one of the things we most dislike doing is, is honestly auditing ourselves and our business and saying what's really working and what's really not working. I put my biases and my beliefs and all my desires to one side and and look at this and go, I don't know. I've spoken to a hundred potential customers and only brought four on board. I have to change the way I speak to customers if I want to make more and more sales. Like it's just a, like, and, and we might not like it, and we might believe that we've got the best product or service, or we might believe we're the best salesperson, but if the data doesn't support it, then it's just not a truth. And so self-auditing is really the hardest thing that probably should be at the top of the list. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't know if you have ESP or what is going on, bro, but you are the, the things you're saying are great lead-ins to the next question. <laughs> so... Um, you told me previously that, you know, you can talk to someone and forgive me, I don't remember exactly what it was, but you said you can talk to someone for either just a couple of minutes or you can ask just a couple of questions and be able to determine just that quickly what is hindering them. Right. And I was, I was really shocked by that and intrigued. And so I'm curious, how are you able to do that? (laughs) Um, so a, a very long misspent life would be would be the very short answer. Um, I when 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 I was um, when I was working in the kayaking adventure sports world, and I, I left that world full time almost twenty years ago now. I spent time um, taking people to some of the most remote, dangerous places on planet Earth, and then observing them in depth and saying, Brad now's not the time for you to kayak down this rapid, I'm sorry. Or, George, now is the time. And, and, it, and, and being able to observe them very quickly about not just how technically they are able they are, but like how their headspace is. Because um, that's a huge volume control on your access to your technical ability or anything. And, and I had to be able to make those decisions in very, very short amounts of time. And I guess I just became highly, highly, highly proficient at it. And 
when you link that together with some business knowledge um, and some business experience, suddenly you can start to see where the holes are um, that other people can't see. Mm. Um, and, and most of the holes that people have, my starting point is always around observing them and how congruent they are with their own message and their own conversation. How, like a congruent, uh, uh, do they look good in their own skin as they talk? And then the second part of it is, how does what they're saying resonate with the rest of the world? Because that's really the glue, right? The way to be successful at anything is to have you working seamlessly with the rest of the world, all those other people out there, be them employees, customers, doesn't really matter who it is. Um, and out of that, I get to, here's the logical place to go and start to give somebody some advice and guidance around where the problem is they're facing that they probably don't realize they're facing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like when we spoke the other, other week about Focus Loop and I was like, right, well, the, here's, here's the, uh, the organizations and the investors you should be looking for are these sorts of people. And I think I got there in about 10 minutes of that or 20 minutes of that conversation with you. And it was just mm-hmm. observation. And I don't, think, I don't think that people spend enough time getting proficient enough at observing people. To a, and, and often what we do observe is too macro. And really the devil's in the detail. It's the micro stuff that makes the difference. Um, yeah. You know the analogy, if you fly a plane over 100 kilometers and you're just one degree off, I think you'll be 100 meters off or something like that at the end destination. And if you do it over 1,000 kilometers, wow. you're, you're a, a kilometer off, you know, so on and so forth. Um, it's, it's, only, it's only the one degree that gets, gets you to miss the target. It's not, we're not looking for a big chunk of anything. We're looking for the little chunks. And, you know, when you build a business – the easiest part is the first 80%. The hardest part is the last 20% because it's actually not 20%. It's 2,000 micro chunks that all have to come together. Yeah. And if just one of those isn't right, we'll miss the target. And so that's what I'm looking for is I'm looking for the micro things. So what, what is a common theme that you see in people that achieve breakthrough? Um, An incredible amount of self-honesty and self-awareness is the common theme. Mm. um, And the second layer of that is a ginormous awareness of the world about them. and it, but it comes, it's a bit like a poison chalice though, Brad. And it's why a lot of people avoid it and never truly break through. Is that, have you ever, um, uh, well, maybe you, you definitely have actually. So you've done a whole bunch of these podcasts and you listen back to your own voice. And maybe you think, oh, do I really sound like that on occasions? Because it's an honest mirror, isn't it? As to how your tonality of voice is. Um, and, and maybe you're really happy with it, or maybe it's a bit uncomfortable. I don't know. I don't think it necessarily matters. But that level of honesty is really uncomfortable for people. Um, and, and so that huge honesty produces deep discomfort. 
and, and maybe it shows you some things that you really don't want to see about yourself and yet are true. That would be a thing. Um, I got, I've got a customer at the moment who's got these huge desires to sell to a certain group of people. And, and yet he can't do it. And I'm like, well, or correction, he hasn't been able to do it. I was, well, have we ever asked the question of do these people want to buy from you? <laughs> um, and, and, um, and that really hurts him because the people who want to buy from him aren't the people he wants to sell to. And, and it's not about the product, it's about that human-to-human interaction. Yep. And then when you truly become really aware of the world about you, it shows you, it gives you the opportunity to show all of the opportunity and all of the positive stuff. It also shows you all of the destructive and all of the negative stuff as well. Um, and, and, and that means that you're hypersensitive to what's going on about you. And that comes as a, well, and then how do I manage that? Because maybe I don't want to accept the honesty of some of the world about me and how it is. Um, maybe that hurts as well. And, and then maybe I've got to take action on that feedback that I get and that awareness that I get. And, and so I, I think that a lot of people pretend to make breakthroughs that they never actually make because it's easier to stay numb mm. than it is to actually accept that hyper level of honesty and awareness. Man, that is, um, that is, that is so true. And, and to be honest with you, Rob, that's, that's not what I expected to hear um, as far as how um, what people do to achieve breakthrough. I, I really expected to hear some, you know, some, I, I don't know, some really something else besides that, <laughs> but that makes so much sense. And I, I, I think being, I don't know, man, I'm, I'm, I like to think that I am self-aware because I, I'm always trying to, improve on this or that or become better a better leader or just doing doing the little things based on self-reflection and knowing what is right and and listening to you know worthwhile people um but man it it seems like it really is very very difficult for people to instill that level of self-honesty and self-awareness and then admit to themselves that maybe there's a part right there that really needs some work. You know what I mean? And so I just, man, I I guess any secrets Uh on getting people to become more self-aware? Yeah. (laughs) I I helped a a CEO the other year come to a level of self-awareness that she she isn't the CEO for the future of the business she founded. Um, it's reached a place where what her natural superpowers are are not the thing the business needs to, to grow for the next $30 million turnovers chunk. She isn't the person for that workforce, for that business, for that. She, um, she's the founder. She's the C- she has been the CEO. She has driven it excellently to a certain level. Actually, it needs a new CEO and she needs to go and continue using her superpowers in the business where they're actually best uh, best positioned, which for her is around product. It's not around sort of the pseudo political networking that's required for the business to grow with the partnerships required. And 
like that's devastating in some some respects but when you find that level of integral honesty inside of yourself and you can say will i will will what i'm doing will i reach my ultimate aim and purpose by stepping to one side for a period of time and letting somebody else have the reins um maybe it hurts but maybe it goes back to that what's the honesty that you like you know i said you know what are the things you least want to do <laughs> what are the what, are, what what's the honesty right. that you want to hear um and if, if you were to chunk apart everything you do in your world i mean um you know you're you're a i'm, I'm a man i'm a husband i'm a dad i'm a business owner i'm a business coach um, I'm this, I'm that, I'm whatever else. And then you were to chunk it into all the subsets of that and go and honestly audit, you know, a, a plus column. What am I great at in those things? What am I weak at? And then almost go and get other people to go and do exactly the same exercise about you. And people who will, like, give you a hug and punch you on the nose at the same time. You know those people? Um, get, get them to do it. Not just get my mum to do it, who will tell me that I'm wonderful at everything, dear, because that's no real use to me. Um, We're going to get this 3D picture of who we are. Some of it we're going to love and some of it's going to surprise us. Um, And and some of it's going to be not that comfortable. But in the discomfort is the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And so... um... Again, we have to we have to understand. I, I think I think I had to come to a conclusion that that um, sometimes we are our own worst enemy, and that lack of self honesty, that lack of self reflection, truly is a roadblock within itself. And you know, we we have to really be able to let let the progress in because that's exactly what you're not doing if you're not self reflecting. You're not coming to conclusions or or taking heed to conclusions others are trying to help you with by concluding for you, right? So it, there's a difference between that and just criticism for criticism's sake, right? Um, so it's it's not criticism. Did I, did, I, did I make sense or am I off? No, you got it. But it's not criticism. It's feedback. It's a um, right. It, it's a if we could call it an honesty mirror. Mm. Um, you know, mirrors a good mirror. It gives you a perfect reflection of who you are as you look into it. Um, and really speaking, that's what we're looking for. Um, and you know, I mean, you could because because the the barriers that you face are not in broad daylight; they're hidden in the shadows. And yeah. I, I don't, I don't, th- I don't want to say that people on their own should be wallowing around in their shadows, but Blind optimism and positivity is only part of the solution to success. The other thing is either uh, is, is, is about identifying what's in the shadows and saying, am I willing to take that and stop it, reduce it, delete it, um, or, ter- or, 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 or overcome it? Or, or can I find a way, like my client did, of saying, well, there is this stuff in the shadows and actually what I need to do for the sake of me and my business is actually to bring somebody in who, who um, what's in my shadow is actually in their daylight. 
right? It is their, it is in their power, as it were. Actually, that's the right thing for me and for my business now. But none of this is hyper easy. And right. I guess, brother, that the challenge is that we're in an age where you don't need more knowledge to go and grow your business. Nobody needs more knowledge to grow their business. The knowledge is freely available. I mean, chat, was it chat GPT I was playing with yesterday? Like, type a question in there, you're going to get an answer. And it's going to be a world-class answer at that. Um, like, hmm. there's, there's no, not, not, the value in knowledge is that knowledge is now valueless. So therefore, if, if all the knowledge you need is free and readily available, as long as you can afford to buy a book and can read it or can Google search it, um, well, th- what's holding you back? It's not knowledge. It's actually something inside right. of you. And that's the focus area mm-hmm. of what's inside of me that's preventing me um, from converting knowledge into action into positive outcome that's right that's right so rob speaking of knowledge what do you um what do you see since i know you've worked with a lot of of high level people and organizations what what do you see missing in the sales process of organizations i mean are there are there common themes generally and i mean what are the things that any company needs to make sure they implement to ensure their success? Sure. That's a very big question. Um, Mm. I think that most organizations um, drive sales by metrics, not by people. And, Mm. and uh, I think that the metrics should be a outcome that's achieved by drive by by driving people it shouldn't be the thing that's it should be like i don't know a plus b plus c so that's um equals the metrics you want and all too often in businesses what i hear is here's the metrics we want and they almost flip the equation around the right around the wrong way um I think most businesses have a people problem in their sales processes. Um, and when I say most, I've worked in hundreds of businesses in the sales arenas over the past 10, 12 years, and I haven't yet found a business that does not have a significant people problem in their sales processes. Um, hmm. They, um, yeah, I haven't yet found one. Um and those problems are a wide ranging, but if if you're not making enough sales in your business, you have a people problem, either with your sales people or with the niche you're choosing to sell to, um, one or the other, or the leadership of the sales people, another another um, factor. Um, you know, you've got a sales problem, you've got a people problem somewhere in in that equation. I think that salespeople are trained pretty badly um, and they're not actually trained to go and sell, solve problems. They're usually trained to sell products. And I think that's a, that's a, a common thing that I, I come into. And yeah, I, I guess that's, I, I guess that's it. But you know, there's conversations in sales that are missed. So um, you get, 
do sales training. Um, one of the th- things I talk about heavily in sales trainings are things like what's the salespeople's biases? What are their models of the world and what are their limiting beliefs? And actually, if we can work with those three things, we can empower salespeople to go and sell more um, much very, 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 very quickly. Um, it's not about some sleazy used car salesman strategy that's needed. It's actually to go, cool, well, you know, um, Billy was always told by his mum when he was a kid that money doesn't grow on trees. And now he struggles to make enough money. What a big sales problem we've got. Actually, it's a limiting belief that Billy's struggling with. It's not actually a lack of sales knowledge. It's that he doesn't believe that he can make the money that he wants or or needs or so on and so forth. Mm. And so I, I just think there's a, there's a huge amount missed in that people's sphere when it comes to selling. I think all too often we're trying to square, shove square pegs through round holes, as opposed to as, as opposed to a truly identifying. And I think you know we bring salespeople into our businesses far too quickly. Um, you know the the in, in my business Tetrakey. The hardest job for you to get in my business is is to sell for me. The hardest. Um, you know that if you send me a CV and uh, or a resume and an email and a letter of a letter of I'd like to work from for you, I guarantee you won't get a, won't get an interview or a job with me. Guarantee it. And I think that all too often that sales teams, sales people are seen to be the like bring lots in and hope that 10 percent produce the produce the numbers we want. And then we'll, the rest will eventually leave or we'll get shot at them. We'll, we'll lose them somehow. Um, you know that your salespeople are your business. They are the face of your business. They are the representatives of your business. They are the bit that the customers see. You want to have less salespeople and world-class, incredible salespeople as opposed to more and treating it on a metrics basis. Um, like make it hard to sell for you, but make it epically attractive. That would be a thing. You know, I've got a guy who sells for me at the moment. He's brilliant. Warren's his name. Hey, Warren, if you're listening, you're You're incredible. You know, he did an Insta, an, a series of Instagram posts, like reels and stories and all sorts of things. And he tagged me in eight weeks before he said, can, can I, Rob, can I buy you a coffee? He want, and he wanted to come work for me, he wanted to come sell for me. You know, what, what do you think I said? Sure, you've done that much effort and energy. Of course, you can buy me a coffee. Um, you know, you want to come work for me. I just think that um, businesses need to get more creative when it comes to their um, finding salespeople, onboarding them and getting them going. And I think we make it too, too MBA, you know, what are your qualifications, et cetera, et cetera, and not enough how hungry are you and how much effort are you really putting in to try and get this job with you? Yeah. And what, I think – yeah, sorry, go ahead, Rob. What, what, Warren's awesome for no. a reason because Warren sold himself to me. He pitched himself to me for weeks on Instagram, tagging me into things. It was, if Warren will do that to get the job, what's he going to do when he's got the job? He's going to jump through hoops of fire for me. And that's what I want. Yeah. And it's, um, 
correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that um, I'm I'm taking I'm taking this stuff, this information uh, to heart because you know really I, I've been I've been working on building a team for a little while now, and and I'm finally starting to get this team uh, in place, and I've already reconciled with the fact that um, the entire sales team for the foreseeable future is this guy you're looking at him right yep. because obviously it's my company it's i know the product better than anyone else i understand the problem better than anyone else i can i can illuminate the problem to other people and help them see the value in what i'm offering them as a solution um not just trying to take their money um but I think we have, we have to be careful, right, as, as, as business owners, that we don't just start to bring in salespeople, like you said, too early, Rob, because of the need to generate revenue, right? Yes, of course, it's always there. You always have to generate revenue. You always have to do that. But it can be a hindrance more than a help if you do it too early and with the wrong people. Would you agree with that? 100%. 100%. And I, I just want to go back, like, you, if you want to bring in salespeople, it needs to be the hardest job for somebody to get in your business is the, is being a salesperson, right? And, and I mm-hmm. and, and and it should be one hundred percent untraditional in how you go about doing it, um, because salespeople have the hardest job in the business. They need to often. Walk in and speak to complete strangers, build rapport, impress them, help them tell, like help them uh, <laughs> help that stranger share with um, share with the salesperson their, their problems and challenges that they're facing, you know, so on and so forth. Um, but they they're, they're, they're like tightrope walking, and and so if you want to recruit salespeople, they've got to have to go and do the tightrope just to go and get an interview with you. Um, the 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 other thing is, you know, especially if you've got a business owner who is, um, if a business owner is 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 um, can get really good at sales, they can always manage the the gas pedal on their business because they will recognise what a great salesperson is because they're looking for another version of themselves to come into the business, um, mm-hmm. which means they're in control of their business. All too often, what I find in business is, is business owners want to give sales away to other people um, as soon as possible because really they're really passionate about their product and they want to develop their product. Mm -hmm. That is a ginormous trap because what you're really doing is giving the gas pedal of your vehicle away to really what we just call strangers. Um, Mm -hmm. and, And so, you know, as a business owner, you need to be really good at sales and you need to have really good conversion ratios and then bring in other salespeople. So speaking of, from a hiring standpoint and, you know, in addition to the qualifications you just laid out, right, making it the hardest job to get, um, making them really seek you out, seek the position out. From a hiring standpoint, what kind of salespeople are you looking for? Like what traits do they have or what is what are the parameters that you're looking for? Um, not necessarily by way of a resume or what have you. So um, my starting point is 
Who is my business's customer? Not customers, the customer, singular. Who is the customer? Um, and I'm then looking for people who will best resonate with that customer and be able to get that customer to get out of their own way and take action, useful action for themselves. Um, and so there's going to be uh, a degree of charm and wit usually about that person. Um, but equally, they're going, to speak, they're going to speak the same language as the customer. Um, and I don't mean that as in Spanish or English or French. I mean that um, somebody who's got an MBA will sell usually terribly to a startup business owner. You know, the plumber, just as an example. Because they've swallowed the MBA dictionary and they use fancy words in their conversation, whereas the plumber talks about the world in a very different way. And, um, uh-huh. and so I want somebody who's going to come in and talk the same language level as the customer. So um, I mean, I'll make no secret about it. In some countries in the world, I personally sell very well into the corporate space. In South Africa, where I live at the moment, um, I sell terribly into the corporate space because I just don't speak their language in their way. Hmm. It's fine. Like, it is what it is. But that goes back to this honesty we were talking about like a few minutes ago. Um, I know that about me. Yeah. So I've now got people about me who, admittedly, we don't do much corporate work in South Africa anymore. But when, when, when we do and we've got those sales to be made, I've got other people who will have those conversations for me because they do speak that MBA textbook. I don't. Um, hmm. Whereas in, in corporate United States, I can have a much better conversation. I seem to resonate better there. It's just, it's just how it is. Um, I sell very well to ex-military um, members uh, or ex-service personnel. Um, I don't ask me why that is, but I do. Um, whereas there's other groups of people I don't. I, I you know, um, I, I don't. And, but this goes back to, to what you were asking about growing sales teams and whatever else. Surely your recruitment process should be identifying that. Um, surely your recruitment process should have in it, um, we want to sell to uh, ex-service personnel in the United States or, or in the UK. Rob would be a really good fit. Um, that should be part of our recruitment process. We should also maybe know that if we want to sell to corporate businesses in South Africa, Rob would be a really bad fit. Like, surely we want to know that about somebody before we say, hey, you're hired. So throw an, throw an example out there for you. Let's say a, let's say a company is looking to, uh, they sell to SMBs, maybe lots of small businesses, half medium businesses or what have you, but not really the enterprise corporations. And you want somebody who kind of speaks their language. Again, the, the SMBs are generally, again, don't get mad at me. This is just generally true. Exceptions everywhere. Uh, less tech savvy, right? And so what would, again, this is just surface level stuff. We don't have to go really deep. But if who's, who is that company looking for as far as their sales recruiting? So they're looking for somebody to understand, who, who, can, who can understand that they're not making business to business sales, number one. Um, even though the textbooks would say you are, 
because um, hmm? most small to medium-sized business owners treat their business bank account like it's their personal bank account and their business credit card like it's their personal credit card. Most do. And therefore, any spend that mm-hmm. they make feels like it's personal spend, not like it's business spend. They're, they're not at the stage yet of having yeah. this iron class, cut cast, fixed budget that is um, like department by department, et cetera, et cetera. So the, the first thing to understand in the small, small to medium sized business space is that the person who's selling must be great at business to consumer sales, not business to business sales, number one. That's, that's, so um, I look to find somebody who's, uh, who, who maybe could sell in, the, in an iStore or an Apple store, sorry, um, would be a really, really good person because they're all used to just selling straight to consumer, which is effectively what you're doing in the SMB um, sales space. Um, yeah. That would be would be somebody, um, maybe somebody who's re- got got a really. Oh, they probably wouldn't do it, but like a, a really good uh, multi level marketing salesperson. That would be another person who would be a really good fit because yet again they're selling direct to consumer. Um, yeah, I I'd probably find somebody who um, hasn't got a degree but has personally studied outside of formal education, i.e. they've listened to audio books and they've read a lot. Um, because most business owners in the small to medium-sized space aren't degree holders. So I'd find somebody with business knowledge or, or a product so they can talk about the business pains, but talk about it in a high school language as a form as opposed to a university or degree language form. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. What's that? I said, I'm sure there's other things. I, I'll, have to, I'll have to go and write a blog about it and share it with you or something. Well, it just, it just, it sounds, it sounds like you have to, it sounds like you have to match people language wise, wavelength wise, right? You, you don't want to, you don't want to, yeah, you, you don't want to, I get what you're saying. I really do. I get what you're saying. And it, it makes a lot of sense to me. And so speaking the same language does not mean, like you said, Spanish or a different language or what have you in the different communities or what have you. It, it really means someone that the business owner can see as relatable to them. Right. Mm. And if, if, if somebody walks in to that business owner in the, with, with an attempt to sell them or they made an appointment or whatever else, um, wearing a suit and a tie, then it's probably, uh, it's rarely going to be a fit because in the, in the business owner's mind, they're, they're not going to psychologically give them a fair shake because they're probably not relating to them immediately. Is that a fair assessment? Yes. A hundred percent. Um, you okay. know the other thing, the other thing in there is somebody who can ask great questions. Um, there's nothing more powerful than turning the client into the teacher. Yeah, or the prospect Absolutely. into the teacher. Um, so it's, it's, it's and that's something that's very interesting. There is there's a myth that somebody needs product or industry previous knowledge or experience in order to be a great salesperson in that industry. And I'd say that's a right. ginormous limiting belief. Um, because 
if I was to come and sell for you, I can learn your product in remar- in a rem- to a great depth in a remarkably short period of time. It doesn't take long. Um, and it won't take long for you to teach it to me. However, if you want to sell to ex-military personnel, just as a or current military personnel, just as a, as a niche, um, it could take you a decade to get me good at selling to that particular group of people. So what we should really look for is somebody who can already sell to that particular group of people as their natural, let's say their natural talent, and then backfill the product in, product information afterwards because that's the easy bit. Um, and, and as I look around at businesses who are trying to recruit salespeople, like they say, uh, uh, there's all this, you know, um, five or ten years previous agricultural experience. If you're in the agricultural industry, you know, can right. drive can drive a tractor. The blah 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 which is all highly technical teachable stuff that can be done in a really short period of time. Um, Really what you want is the person who can go and strike up a conversation with your ideal customer and keep them enthralled and get them to part with their cash. Like that's the bit that takes decades to teach and that should be the focus. So if you were to build an advert, you wouldn't say all of this previous experience, it would be, can easily sell and build build positive relationships with dot 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 this group of people. Yeah. So Rob, what is your take on how how would you do it? Or maybe I'm just totally off, but what is your take on finding salespeople that obviously fit the criteria we've already discussed, but that that would actually be 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 passionate about your company and your company's success versus just making lots of money. Is that even possible with salespeople? Um, so the, uh, the answer is anything's possible. So yes. Um, I, I, but I equally think it's going to change. Um, it's going to change business to business. Uh, so it, w- it will change business to business. So I've, I've achieved this with a business that I'm, I'm working with at the moment. The business is called Pilot Insure. Um, you'll never get they, they insure pilots. <laughs> Genius. Um, and yeah, I've, I've been helping them recruit uh, brokers. And so the first acceptance the guys who own the business had to come through come to was that nobody is going to treat your business like you do. It's, it's impossible because it's your baby. It's not theirs. So what we want to, what we want right. to do is get, get somebody to treat, um, treat your business um, like it's like a nine out of 10 theirs. That's our, that's our best expectation. That's the person we're looking for. And then it's about finding ways to motivate them and keep them excited within your business. So within Pilot Insure, um, part of the um, – money that Pilot Insure makes, they're actually creating a fund that um, that will enable their brokers to qualify as pilots in the future. So if they stay with the business and keep treating the business good and keep treat bringing new customers in and keep making sales and, you know, ensure that, it's, that those customers stay uh, with the business for a long period of time, that after a while, there'll be enough in their fund where they can go and qualify to become a pilot. So that hmm. that will keep that will keep that broker in that business for at least eight to twelve years, and 
will keep them hungry because if they're not doing a good job, well, they're not going to go and get to become a pilot. And so it's about right. it's about creating push and pull motivators and levers. Um, I'm not too sure. I think it's a bit of a myth that salespeople just need to be money hungry. I think they need to be relationship hungry with the right people. Mm. I think that if you just mm-hmm. if you just get money hungry salespeople, and I, by the way, I think they should have a hunger for money. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But if, if money hunger sure. is their is their number one priority, let's say that your opportunity with Focus Loop has got a maybe an earning cap of. $450,000 a year. That's pretty much as, like, if, if they got that far, they can't really go much further. And I come with an opportunity that's got $2.5 million a year. They'll just leave you. And, and so the, the, the motivator of money is, can only be a factor in that recruitment. It can't be the factor, because if it's the factor, we actually are creating a future business problem for ourselves. Yeah. So it sounds, yeah, you said, you said be relationship hungry. That's, that's really cool. And so when you said that, it, it really kinds of points me in a direction of finding those people who maybe are like the connectors in your society, in your community, right? Who are those connectors who are always, you know, always talking to different people, always mucking it up with people. You know what I mean? All, all the people who you see as, as the connectors, right? Is that, is that a fair, a good path possibly? Yeah. Because there's, there's a lot of businesses get confused by this, but a, a good connect, every, every human being has a LinkedIn profile behind them. And just because the connector makes a connection with somebody who isn't an obvious customer, well, a lot of businesses will get frustrated by that. But if you understand that maybe if that mm. connector that can then get Rob to open up his LinkedIn profile to that person, well, there's maybe 20 sales sat there behind Rob. Rob might not be the person who buys, but if Rob introduces you to 40 people in my LinkedIn profile and then 20 of them buy from you, that's a really good salesperson. That's right. That's right. Okay, so hopefully... Hopefully, all of this information on sales helped somebody out today <laughs> as they're listening to this because it is it is um, uh, it is a different route than the norm, right? And but I also think it's absolutely a smarter route. You have to think you think you have to think beneath the surface a little bit and then connect the dots to the result, right? Like you just gave the LinkedIn example pro example. So I think we just, I think a lot of times business owners just say, you know, let me put, let me put stuff out there and get some resumes and see who has the most experience and who has the most, you know, the same stuff that we talked about versus taking a much more strategic approach, if you will, to finding those people that are relationship hungry and who, who versus the money hungry and versus the ones who are out of alignment with your ideal customer. That's it. I think, Brad, also business owners, people should set their expectations far higher. So I, I want to give you a bit of um, and this goes back to people again. Right. Understanding what people are good and not good at. So I want to take myself as an example for this year. I mean, today is the 30th of December that we're recording on it. And today I've been doing my self audit of 2022. And 
I've, I've realized two things this year, one of which is a, like a reconfirmation of something from a previous year. And um, the other thing is, is sort of a pack, your, pack yourself on the bat, back um, thing. But the first thing I've realized is I'm not as good as I could be or want to be at getting myself sales meetings. I'm not that good at it. Um, that doesn't mean to sound terrible at it, but there's people out there who are better. However, my sales conversion ratio for 2022 is 87%. That means 8.7 oh. out of 10 people I've met with this year in a sales meeting, I have sold a product or service to. Business owners should be, putting their, should be putting their expectations far higher. There is no reason why your conversion ratio shouldn't look like that. No reason on planet Earth. And, 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 and if they don't look like that, you, we've got there's there's actually real problems in your business that need that, that can be solved once they're identified, um, and the problems probably mm -hmm. aren't as big as you think they are, um, but it is going to require you to do your sales in a remarkably different way. I don't sell like most people would advocate you to sell, and yet my conversion ratio and my um, my customer longevity numbers. So my average customer stays with me for four to seven years. Um, that's my longevity, which is pretty damn good. And I'm converting at that ratio. Um, you know, your business should be looking to have those numbers in place. And if it doesn't, it can be solved and you can have those numbers in place. So set your bars higher. Set your expectations higher. Don't listen to the industry trend. That, oh, in in the, in the financial advice giving industry in the United States, you know, um, we convert at this and then the churn rates, that and whatever else. Stop setting your expectations so low for yourself and actually go and put them up sky high and then strive upwards as opposed to accepting mediocre nonsense. <laughs> yeah, man. Shoot, Rob, I thought... I thought I was doing good by setting myself up for like a 30 to 40% conversion rate. <laughs> You're telling me 90%, bro. <laughs> yeah. Uh, go go wow. for it. Go for it. It's, it's, it's there for the taking, right? Um, and there's a list of reasons if you're not yeah. hitting 90%. There's a list of reasons why. And all we've got to do is go and, um, is go and work on those whys. Um, and you can hit 90, no problem. Yeah. Um, Okay, so I saw something recently, man, uh, that that said, quote, you know, the growth potential of most businesses is limited by the emotional intelligence of their leaders. Okay. So I got I have to ask you, number one, because I I've, when I read that, I immediately thought of you and I, I got curious. So number one, do you agree with that? And if so, what does that mean to you? Right? And also, what else determines the growth potential of a company aside from that, if that's true? Um, so it is true, uh, in my opinion, as long as you view emotional intelligence as different to uh, uh, IQ. Um, so IQ is often deemed to be a fixed thing, whereas I think if you view emotional intelligence mm -hmm. as a, a thing that can be grown and improved, I think it is true. So I do think because emotional intelligence effectively is just awareness. It's awareness of self and awareness of others, effectively, right? Because if you're fully aware of who you are and how you are, you have huge amounts of control over how you react and how you deal with all sorts of circumstances in the world. Therefore, you are emotionally intelligent. 
Um, emotional intelligence also has um, limiting beliefs um, or, or just beliefs in general, your truths in it. Um, and it has I mean, a, whole, a whole myriad of, of lessons learned, positive and negative in the past. Um, so I would agree with that statement to, to 100%. Um, as long as we don't view it as a limiting statement that um, I'm the problem in my business because it's not growing at the rate I want it to be. That may well be the truth, but you can also mm. be the solution to that problem as well by growing, by growing your emotional intelligence, your awareness. Um, mm -hmm. I think the second level of, of limiting factor in the growth of a business is around a business owner's ability to observe and work with others. Um, be that people inside of your business, let's say that's a workforce, and be that people outside of your business, your customers, and, and to fully understand them. Yeah, that's, but, but that actually links back to emotional intelligence again in, in many regards. But I'd, I'd say that's the other limiting factor is that we shouldn't have to convince people that our product is great. The product should talk for itself. Um, it, mm -hmm. it, 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 it's about enabling somebody to tell you why your product is great for them as opposed to you needing to tell them the reason yourself. Right. Um, and, and so I, I, you know, I interviewed a guy called Rick Wong um, a couple of years ago, and um, Rick was the ex-chief marketing officer of Microsoft. And uh, he's a guy I've had coffee with on a number of occasions and met in person a bunch of occasions. And Rick often said to me, you know, um, he said it jokingly, but he's like, you know, um, if I was to employ people, I really think that a master's in social work would be far more useful than a master's in business administration. Because at least with a master's in, business, in, in uh, social work, you can truly appreciate people because that's the limiting factor. And I think there's a degree of genius in that statement from him. Yeah, that makes sense because that aligns with everything you were talking about as far as as far as far um, people versus metrics, right? Mm. Being driven by people versus metrics and, and the relatability and the connectivity part of things as well. So I, yeah, it makes sense to me. That's it. You know, people are squishy, illogical, emotional, irrational, weird, weird things, right? <laughs> weird mammals. They make very, yep. very, very weird decisions. You only have to look at global elections over the past 10 years to figure that out for yourself. <laughs> like if, 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 people were <laughs> if people were logical and they lived in a democracy of any sort where they got to vote, they would deeply read and analyze every party and politician's um, uh, manifestos, you know, the documents they write about what they're going to go and do. They would create a ginormous Excel spreadsheet and they would mathematically weigh up each person and they would vote on facts, not on feeling. And yet, yep. when it comes to vote voting, people vote for a certain person or party because their grandparents did or of some emotional thing that the person said to them um, or, or said in public or yep. something that conforms with the mates in the pub or the bar or whatever it may well be. And so 
really to understand people, we've got to understand nuance and human nuance and stop trying to treat people as these logical numbers-based things that are conform to some actuarial mathematical-based equation. Because you're just going to set yourself up for fail, to fail. That's right. That's right. So, Rob, it's, um, man, we are coming, we're coming, unfortunately, we are coming to the end, man. I think we can keep, keep going, but uh, I'm, <laughs> you know, um, but I, I want to close out with this one final question that may or may not be difficult for someone like you. Um, so if you could leave the audience, all right, with just one thing that they could start doing right now that would set them on the path to becoming undeniable, what would that one thing be? Uh, we've mentioned it and it starts self-auditing and then taking action on the audit. Mm. Um, that, that is it. Every opportunity you want is within inside of you right here, right now. And it's only a lack of self-knowledge that is preventing you from finding the opportunity you want, act, executing on it and being undeniable. That's the only thing that's missing. That is, that is good, man. That is, that is really good, really profound. And I think everyone listening should absolutely take that to heart, myself included. I'm going to be, I'm going to be the first. So Rob, man, if, if people want to connect with you, how do they do that? If they want to connect with you about helping them with their business or, any, any of the the, offer, the things that you offer or just connect with you in general, how would they do that? So they can find me in the usual places, you know, Facebook, uh, Instagram, LinkedIn, those places, or um, simply email me, um, info at tetrakey.com. And um, my assistant will see it and will deviate whoever it is to me in any A form. Um, and uh, yeah. I, Brad, I love nothing more than having an online coffee with people and helping them take a big step forwards in their life. So if people would like that opportunity, info at tetricky.com and uh, let's make it happen. That is, uh, I think we may have had a little static for a second, but that is info at tetricky.com. That's T-E-T-R-A-K-E-Y.com. But we're also going to be linking all of Rob's information in the show notes to make it easy for you guys to access and reach out to him. So no worries about that. It'll be there. Rob, my friend, thank you so much for making the time. I I can honestly say I learned a lot just in this one episode with you. I, if I learned a lot, I know other people take away some undeniable value as well. And uh, I really appreciate you making yourself available, brother. I, I, I thank you for that. Thank you. It's been um, a joy to spend the time with you and share what little knowledge I have with, with the audience. And uh <laughs> And folks, just go, go out there and live epic lives. That's my only thing I'd like to do. And Brad, maybe we should do a take two at some point in time. That would be fun. Oh, I, you read my mind again, dude. What is what is this? Is what are you doing? What are you doing over there in South Africa? Well, you have a machine over there. You can read mine. I don't know what it is, but yes, I was going to say absolutely. I'd love to uh, have you back um, if you're willing to come back and and share some more uh, expansive knowledge with people. So yes, absolutely, we'll have you back. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. You let's set up a time and date. And I'm all for it. Awesome. We will make it happen. Rob, Rob Yates. Thanks again, sir. I appreciate you. Thank you. Be awesome. All right. Well, that is it 
for this episode. I hope that it brought some authentic value into your life. And if you didn't hear any nuggets that were undeniably valuable to you, I don't know what to tell you. Something is wrong with you because you clearly were not listening. All right. So before you go listen to another episode, I need you to pay the toll so we can roll. Now, paying the toll, paying the toll simply means to share the show, right? Rob put out some extensively valuable information that other people need to hear. You maybe know other people who need to hear this information. You have people in business that you know. Send them this show. They will thank you for it, right? Also, leave us a nice review. And doing both of those things actually helps us grow the show so that we can inspire the masses. Remember, I talked about it earlier. I'm seeking impact. I'm seeking to provide, to make an impact in the lives of others. You can help me do that, right? Remember, you cannot become undeniable if you are uninformed. And make sure you always bless up, mom. And I'm out.